season is upon us. And I know that for some of you that generates cheers, as we just heard. For others, it generates groans. Um, personally, I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, those who follow the pro game are familiar with the name Tom Brady. Love him or loathe him, you cannot get away from the seemingly endless banter of the commentators and pundits when it comes to this man. He was not highly respected coming out of his career at Go Blue. Um, He was drafted in the sixth round. 198 players were picked before him who have all come and gone. 42 years old, and he is still a starting quarterback in the National Football League. He's played in nine Super Bowls, winning six. For most players, simply making it to the Super Bowl is a career high. He's been there six times, or nine times, one six. Holds the NFL record for number of seasons as a starter for one team. Four-time most valuable player in the Super Bowl. Three-time league MVP. Been selected to 14 Pro Bowls. He's the winningest quarterback in NFL history. Last year, he became the oldest quarterback to win the Super Bowl at age 42. So friend or foe, this year if you watch football, if you listen to news, if you hear anybody talking football, there's a good chance you'll hear people debating whether or not Tom Brady is the GOAT. Greatest of all time. Today, as this is my next to the last message in this Tell Me a Story series, As we look at our story for today, I want you to think a bit about whether you're a goat, greatest of all time, or a goat, something less than the greatest of all time. And I'll explain that in just a moment. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us three different stories. And this is significant because this is approaching the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he tells three stories in Matthew chapter 25, each of which deals with various aspects of preparing for end times and or preparing for the end of one's earthly life. Each story deals with a little different aspect of that. Today we're simply going to be considering the last of those three stories as recorded in Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 46. And I'm going to start with just a couple of verses to begin with there. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. So there's coming a time when the Son of Man comes in his glory and he sits on his throne. At that time, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So there's a, there's a time of sorting. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So again, what I would have us take away from this at this point is the reminder or the, the emphasis that there will come a time of sorting. Sheep, goats. The shepherd's doing the sorting. 
And all are being evaluated and separated either to the right or to the left. I have to say, I've grown up in a somewhat rural area. I have a general understanding of livestock and flocks and herds. But I'm not confident that I would always know the difference in every situation. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes I'm not terribly sure I would know the difference between sheep and goats. In my mind, both are mammals. Both are covered with hair. They have a plant-based diet. And they have cloven, as the Bible says, cloven or split hooves. So there are some very strong similarities. And we need to understand, in Bible times, it was not uncommon for flocks of sheep and herds of goats to share the same space. So there would come a time where they needed to be sorted or separated. The key is to understand that while I may not always know the difference, I'm not a shepherd. And a shepherd would know the difference. Now, some of them are easy. Whoops, watch out for that. Who put that there? Some of them are easy. It was hard to find a picture of tails that was appropriate to share. All right? I just have to say, I worked hard at this. Because if you notice, there's a distinction in that sheeps, sheep often have dock tails, so they're shorter than the one in the picture here. But I picked this one because it did show a longer tail. Sheep, typically their tails are down. Goats, their tails are up. Pretty simple. You look, you know. All right? You don't even have to get close to look. You know. All right, so there is a sorting, and there are some obvious uh, things that the shepherd would know. Sheep graze. If you notice there, the sheep's kind of got his down, his face down in the, in the grass, and he's grazing close to the ground. Goats tend to, to forage. In other words, they'll eat anything. You'll see goats up on their tippy toes or their tippy hoofs and, and <laughs> grabbing whatever they can reach. Uh, they're, they're notorious for eating a wide variety of things, some of which they're supposed to and others of which they're not. So so sheep graze and, and goats browse. Sheep are much more inclined to flock. The whole group mentality hang together. They get anxious and freaked out if they're not with the flock. Goats, on the other hand, and those of you who raise goats will probably say a hearty amen, they are curious to say the least. And they are, or can be, strongly independent. So, a shepherd understands these things, and he's going to understand as he makes these sorting. Scientists will also say there's a clear difference. The shepherds probably didn't know this, unless they were really, really discerning. But they actually have a differing numbers of chromosomes. Sheep have 54, and goats have 60. So they are different on every level. But acknowledging that, uh, again, coming back to where we're at. They're different. The shepherd will understand that they're different. And there's a time of sorting, all right? Difference, a known difference, and they're sorting. So let's look back at the verse again. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, I suspect some of you have read that story before, 
or heard people talk about it and never stopped to think about, oh, somebody has to know the difference. And the difference makes a difference for all of eternity. Sheep, goats, right, left. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The extrapolation, because of the context in which Jesus is telling this story, is that there will be a time when our shepherd, the God of all creation, will gather all of his flocks and all of his herds, and he will proceed to sort the sheep from the goats. That matters. As the story continues... Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, sheep, he will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, even if you haven't heard the story and you don't know the alternative, I think that that may sound somewhat appealing to you. You know what? If there's a time of sorting, how awesome would it be to have the shepherd, the king, the son of God, ruler over all of heaven and earth, say, come on, you're blessed. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Not even knowing what comes next. I think, yeah, give me some of that. I think I want to be on the right, not just because I'm right-handed and right-handed people are great. But anyway, um, but seriously, then verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Huh. Wow. Now, many of us have heard that story before. Some of you may be hearing it for the first time. But I would hope that for every person who hears that story, whether it was the original story, or you've heard it told before, or you're just now hearing it, I would hope that immediately the gears start to turn. And you're saying, am I a sheep? Or am I a goat? That's a question worth asking. And remember I said that I don't know the difference sometimes, especially mountain sheep and uh, bighorn sheep and goats, mountain goats. I get all confused with those. But I'm not a trophy hunter, so it doesn't matter. But I think we ought to know where we're at. The shepherd knows. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, some of us grew up hearing, you know, children's stories about, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing and all this. You know what? You may do a lot of stuff that is sheepy looking 
but you're not fooling the shepherd if it's not real and it's not sincere. Today, I would propose to you that sheep equals goat. Capital G, capital O, capital A, capital T. The sheep in this story are really the greatest of all time because they are chosen by the King of Heaven to spend all of eternity with Him in all of His glory. And friends, in my opinion, and in scriptural perspective, there's nothing greater than that. Now, many of us have gone our whole life. I never had entertained the prospect of me being called the greatest of all time in any area of my life. I just accepted that. But as I look at this story, I thought, you know what? That's not true. I've been invited by the king of all creation to enter into a relationship with him that allows me to receive all of the glory that he has to share. And I think that is the greatest thing of all time. I've been invited, you've been invited to be adopted into his family. Now the other side of that is the goat. And goat equals goat. We often use that term to refer to somebody who's kind of a loser or an irritant or the butt of a joke. The person responsible when things don't go well, he's the goat, you know. So, if it matters, sheep, eternity with God, greatest of all time, or goat, loser, irritant, eternal separation from all that is good and right. What makes the difference? That's what matters. Jesus in his story tells us, but we have to peel back a layer as we will in just a moment. But in the story, with verse 35, after he said to the sheep, go on the right, he explains why they're on the right. He said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. So 34, 35 and 36, he's saying, you know what? Um, I needed something and you, you guys were there. You had my back. You looked out for me. You cared about me. And, and the people, they're, they're hearing this story and he's, he's talking to them like you and I might talk sitting around, uh, just having a conversation. And he tells them this and the wheels start to turn. I just met this guy. What, when did I do that? I haven't even been to prison to visit anybody. And Jesus says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? That, you don't remember this. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
In other words, when, when you cared about others, it was like you were caring for me. So then he shifts, shifts to the goats and explains, you're over here for a reason. Verse 42, for I was hungry and you gave me some, nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? In other words, this guy's a famous teacher. If, if I saw him needing something, I'd be on it. You know what? He's, he's important. I'm going to take care of the important folks. When did we see you? How did we miss this? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I'm going to transition from information to application. And I I want to just simply highlight a mistake that I've often made when I look at this passage. Because this passage talks about the importance of caring for and ministering to one another. And that is incredibly important. But today I would suggest to you that the key issue is not what I've done for other people. But what have I done with Jesus? The key issue is, what have I done with Jesus? Don't tune me out yet and think I'm talking crazy. But much of the church today has gotten sidetracked by paying more attention to doing in the name of Jesus than we are with being one with Jesus. Everything we do should flow out of the context of our relationship with Jesus. And nothing we do replaces the relationship we have with Jesus. If you've heard me speak before, more than a couple of times, there's a good chance you've heard me use the expression, a real personal, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I would contend to you that the determining factor when sorting sheep from goats, when sorting the greatest of all time from the goats, is that relationship. It has to be real. Not, I think it. Not, I understand it. But I make it my own. We're talking knowledge, understanding, but we're talking relationship. It has to be personal. Somebody said God has no grandchildren. All right. 
it doesn't matter who I know who's loving and walking with Jesus. It matters what I'm doing with Jesus. Yes, they influence me as well they should. But ultimately, I have to make it not only real, but I have to make it personal. And then it is life-changing. And usually that's a process that goes on our entire earthly life. I care about others because I've been changed by my relationship with Christ. Not I have a relationship with Christ because I care about others. Do you understand the difference? As Jesus told this story about when you took care of others, it's like you were taking care of me. It was never his intent for caring for others to replace or take priority over the fact that we are pursuing a relationship with him. But as James says in his letter, if we are seriously pursuing that relationship, then by default we will care about others and we will meet them at a place of need. But we have to start with the relationship with him. In First Samuel, they were in the process of selecting a king. And the people had their opinions about who would be the best king. And God gave them this counsel. Do not consider his appearance or his height. In other words, we want our king to be buff, handsome, big, powerful, influential. All right? We want success to just radiate off from this dude. So do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the people, at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When we're sorting sheep and goats, or when we're sorting goats from the greatest of all time, which we've been invited to become, God is looking at our heart. The beauty of it is, if our heart is right, then the other stuff will get taken care of as well. But we can take care of the other stuff and neglect our heart. I think we all know some really nasty people who do good stuff from time to time. Don't name names. Maybe they do a lot of good stuff. But that doesn't make them right with Jesus. It doesn't keep them from being put with the goats. Only Jesus does that. Jesus said it himself. And I've shared this already in this series. But in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it's not enough what we say. He goes on. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Friends, let's be honest. If we have folks in our midst and they're prophesying and it's clearly God's word and they're driving out demons and they're performing miracles, wow. 
That's amazing stuff. But if they haven't taken care of what it is to have a real personal life-changing relationship, that doesn't mean anything. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So I share this story. I invite you to think about goats and the greatest of all time. Just to bring you to this question. What have I done with Jesus? What have I done with Jesus? Friends, for those goats, they could have spent weeks grazing on the hillside, rubbing shoulders with the sheep. But that didn't make him a sheep. Sheep and goats are similar, but they're different. Some of you got here ahead of me. Spending time at church, rubbing shoulders with folks who are new creatures in Christ, hanging out and serving alongside of those who have a real personal life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ does not make you a new creature. You must ask the Creator to make you new from the inside out. You must ask the shepherd to come into your life and transform you into one of his sheep so that you might be among the greatest of all time. Doing is an essential part of a life that is pleasing to God. But I think we always need to be mindful of making sure that the being in Christ is more important and takes greater precedent than doing in the name of Jesus. The journey to becoming one of the greatest of all times starts with choosing to become a sheep belonging to the good shepherd. Jesus puts it this way in John chapter 10, verse 14. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Now, I will tell you from my personal experience, getting to know my shepherd is a lifelong process. But it can be done. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is talking about the price that Jesus paid so that you and I could be adopted into his fold and become his sheep. Continuing in chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. What a thought. Do you listen for his voice? And when you hear his voice, do you follow him? Friends, this is a nasty word, but we're talking obedience here. If the shepherd tells me, do this, do I do it? When the shepherd tells me, don't do that, do I listen? Again, I think about sheep, supposedly, I don't know from personal experience, supposedly somewhat more compliant than goats. I think there might be a lesson for us to learn there. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. When I talk about greatest of all time, I'm reminded of something Peter says. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen people. When we talk about greatest of all time, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What have I done with Jesus? And what am I doing with others as a result of what I've done with Jesus? I've said repeatedly over the past three months, simple stories. Bunch of sheep, bunch of goats, sheep, goat, sheep, goat, sheep, goat. Simple story. Sobering reality. Someday they're going to sort. And the difference maker is, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I've been choosing to live separated from you. I believe that you invite me into your sheepfold. I receive you into my life. And I'm determined with your help to walk differently moving forward. Sheep, goat. Friends, I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying it's biblical truth that there will come a day when it matters for all of eternity's sake. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. As I've indicated, for literally decades, I've talked about a real personal life-changing love relationship with the God of the universe. For decades, I've talked about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and for your sins so that I could go, so that you could go from being a goat to a sheep, from being a sheep to be among the family of God, the greatest of all time. And it starts with a heartfelt, real, personal decision to enter into a relationship that will change us as we cooperate from the inside out. As we increasingly learn to hear our shepherd's voice, as we increasingly make the choices necessary to follow our shepherd, bit by bit by bit, we're shaped into who he created us to be in the first place. I know the thought of sorting is unsettling. This morning with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, I will say something that I've said many, many, many times before. If you're here this morning and you, for the first time in your life, are ready to say, you know what, I don't even fully understand all of it, 
But today, I want to start a real personal life-changing relationship with the Good Shepherd. If today, for the first time in your life, you want to say, Lord, I, I confess that I've made just a boatload of poor choices. I've been defiant. I've been resistant. But today I acknowledge that I believe that you died on the cross so that I can make a different choice. Today I do believe that you are the Son of God. Today, with your strength, I do want to be different. Today I open up my life to receive you in. If you want to make that decision this morning, I've repeatedly talked through what that involves. But if you want to make that decision, would you indicate that by simply looking up and making eye contact with me as your way of saying, yes, Jesus, I want to become one of your sheep. Okay. All right. Okay. Are others? Okay. All right. Okay. Good. Thank you. So for those of you who looked up, continuing an attitude of prayer, just in your heart, it's a matter of repeating what I just said. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I confess the poor choices of my past. And in your strength, I want to move forward and make choices that please and honor you. Jesus, I understand it won't be easy, but I understand that I will never be alone because you now are my good shepherd. I receive you into my life as my friend, as my Lord, as my Savior, as my shepherd. And I look forward to stepping forward in you. Father, you've heard those prayers, those who looked up and perhaps those who didn't look up. Father, you've heard the prayers of those who are your sheep and have been your sheep for years as they're praying prayers of of rededication and recommitment. And Father, we thank you that your greatest desire on Judgment Day is for there to be no goats. They're all sheep. That's why we're here, and that's why we do what we do. And we pray that you would continue to work in our hearts. And Father, in keeping with the story that we've looked at, We pray that the transformation, the life change would be so significant that yes, we're still meeting the needs of people every day. Not so that we have a relationship with you, but because we have a relationship with you, that we will become increasingly active in being agents of transformation. That we would become increasingly your light in a world of darkness. We ask these things. In the strength and the power of your son's name. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Michelle.